This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast on the Royal Blue channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by a hat-trick of happy blues, Max Carlisle. How's it going? Well, bad, mate. Anthony McAllen. Hello, mate. And Conor O'Neill. Afternoon, Paul. Well, they say a week is a long time in politics, and it certainly is in this country at the moment. But it's uh, it's also football. Can, it can be a long a week can be a long time, I should say, in football as well. You know, this time last week, Connor, uh, you were sitting in my position, I was sitting in yours, and we were both pretty miserable, weren't we? After it was the performance and the result at Aston Villa. Like you fast forward a week, you know, we're through to the Carabao Cup third round, great win against Wolves in the Premier League on Sunday, scoring goals for fun. Did you see it coming? You always hope that you can see it coming. I think you, you do hope, and like we said last last week, that you know, the big hope was that the forwards that come, uh, the new players who come in, especially the, the forward line in, in Keenan, Alex Obi would, would hit the ground running, and thankfully they have because you could see the difference they made, you know, against Lincoln. But then almost certainly on, on Sunday against against Wolves, the difference the two two of them made was was frightening really, and you know we've got to use that now as the benchmark to kick on for the rest of the season. I think the most pleasing thing. In some respects, it's the character and the sort of grit and determination that that we've showed in the last the last couple of games. You, you look back at the Aston Villa performance, and it was a you know a performance lacking grit, determination, and character. We we simply rolled over after going one 0 down, and you know if we probably would have been out to wave the white flag, we, we probably would have done after an hour. I think that you know to to roll our sleeves the way we did at Lincoln was impressive because to go a goal behind after twenty two seconds and you know <laughs> Nothing I was on the wall. I wasn't think every one of us yeah. was sitting there saying, "Oh, here we go again. This is Everton. You know, yeah. this is the one. This is the Everton we've all become to know and, and, and love." All, you know, <laughs> love and hate, shouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> so to bounce back the way we did and get over the line was impressive because them, them games it's all about getting over the line, isn't it? It's, it's not about you know you win you win eight nil. You get criticised because people say, well, you should be beating the mate nil. You scrape through and people say, well, that was pretty poor. You should be beating the mate nil. So it's just about getting over the line, which we did. And then again on, on Sunday, we showed a character and a bit of fight to come back, you know, twice from, from being pegged back and to, to get ourselves over the line. And all of a sudden now you're looking up the table and you're thinking, you know, can we potentially bridge the top six? And you look at Saturday's results, Chelsea being held or pegged back, should we say, by... By Sheffield United and, and United being held by Southampton, and all of a sudden you you start to think now that there is a possibility and the, there is a chance that we could bridge the gap. But I think we've got to use something that was the benchmark to kick on, and hopefully, you know, everyone comes back fit and fit and fired after the international break because, as ever, it just seems to come at the wrong time for us. Definitely, Max. You know, I think kind of spot on there. It was what if anyone who's listening to this podcast uh, when it's been recorded tonight and who listens to the one last week, you're probably thinking, "Now, oh, God, you were you're a bit depressed, and you know <laughs> you're you're probably a bit overreact, overreacting to what was such a such a bad performance." But it was a, such a bad performance because it came as such a shock, mm-hmm. given the way we played, probably from the derby on uh, last mm-hmm. season. Sorry, Cardiff away, wasn't it last season? That was much more like it on Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, Max, you were there. It, it felt like the Everton that we, we, we really grew to love again really, yeah, in the back end of last 100%, season. And I think that, that's what, six consecutive home wins now, you know, since the introduction of those sirens. You know, we <laughs> seem to really know how to do the business. But I think adding on from what Connor said there, that the main thing for me is that we're back amongst the goals. We seem, we seem to be that free-flowing goal-scoring team that we did show towards the back end of last season. 
Um, obviously, Richarlison, the Copper America hero for, for Brazil in the summer, did have a bit of a, a hangover in, coming into the Premier League season. And, you know, the, the entire squad even showed indications of it during pre-season. I thought, what was it? Only two goals yeah. in, in, in those fixtures. Um, only the one against Watford. Uh, and as you say, that upset against Aston Villa. But yeah, that Lincoln game seemed to be a real catalyst. We demonstrated a lot of it, grit and, and character, as Connor said. Uh, got four goals, which is great. Again, you know, the likes of Awobi, uh, Sigurdsson and Richarlison, obviously, are the two, you know, the two main culprits for getting the goals for the team. Um, and we just translated that that character over to to the Wolf, the Wolves' performance. Um, I think it is worth noting that obviously, similar to us in that 17-18 season, Wolves have started their season something ridiculous. Yeah, like the 25th yeah. of July, um, obviously got through against Torino um, and qualified for Europe for the first time in like 39 years. So, you know, hats off for them. You know, at Goodison, he did show signs of being a real physical team, almost too physical. You know, you see Bolly's red card. But, you know, they did look leggy um, in the defence. We did really exploit it. Um, uh, Connor Cody, we kind of capitalised on a poor performance from him. And again, you know, you've just got to take these advantages of the coming. Although, you know, it is international break, I, I believe it's come at a good time because we can, we can you know, once they come back, they can regroup and they can go again in a, you know, a positive, positive mindset. Interesting perspective that because a lot of people want the momentum of a couple of good wins to continue. And what do you think? Or would you, you go along with what Max is saying there? Because like you do realise we brought a lot of players in again in the summer and brought them in pretty late, didn't we? We did really please though with Brands' business and, uh, and Brands is really showing his worth at the club. Um, in my opinion there, I would definitely agree with with that and maybe that sort of why we were a little bit slow kicking on. Um, from the Watford game, my own point of view that I said over Richarlison, I was really expecting him to come back from the Copper America and after scoring that winning goal, kick on and be frightening straight, straight from the start of the season and getting us all those goals. And like he does, he does like to score early on in the season. It's proved that last season plus the season before when he was at Watford. So I uh, was expecting that. But at the end of the day, the lad's probably had two years without much of a break there. If you yeah. think about it, he was only three weeks in that back. So, you know, uh, credit where credit's due. His celebration for the goal against Lincoln shows how much it meant to him to score and players, your forward players are confidence players and once they start getting goals, they start going in straight away again, he then goes and scores two fours against against Wolves and it's Richarlison back how we want him and, uh, and what, what we want him doing. Um, start of the season, we seem to be based a little bit on clean sheets, clean sheets, we're on this run of clean sheets and everything and we were forgetting I think a little bit of the attacking and that's where it hurt us, especially against Aston Villa in that way where and the manner that we lost that game um, reacted absolutely fantastically against Lincoln there. Early on in the season, you're playing a lower league team. They're looking for that scalp. They're going after you. If you've not got that character, uh, it, as we just said there, you know that could have been another uh, embarrassing defeat and we could be having another depressing podcast. But fortunately, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Same again. You know, We stood up to Wolves with the physical side like we did did with Lincoln and that's what we need to do having Fabian Delft back um, or having him you know making his debut and then uh, being in that team a player with that men winning mentality I think that will have helped in the dressing room and that would have yeah. kicked on for us as well so um, the teams that you're looking at there Manchester United Chelsea they're vulnerable to me and why not aim and look at that height We'll stay with Delph a minute because, Max, you nodded in agreement then when Ant mentioned his name. You know, for a lot of people, he was man the match. I went for Richarlison, who we'll touch on again in a minute. But 
would you go along with Delph? How much an influence did you think he had on that game on his, his full league debut for the club? Yeah, it was sensational. And after coming away from that game, I thought, you know, obviously we've had, you know, misfortune with, with, with his injury straight away. Then there was the long-term injury for Jabamon. But I think Marco Silva may have stumbled across, you know, the best core squad, certainly at his time at Everton now. Um, Fabian Delph for his first start at Goodison Park, you know, you wouldn't think he was just coming off a muscle injury or whatever it was. He was... The partnership he seems to have with, with Andre Gomez, that understanding of his game. You know, there was times where you thought, oh, they, could, they might step on each other's toes or get in each other's way, but there seemed to be a real slick understanding. And statistically, I think, you know, Delph had more touches than anybody else, more successful passes, more tackles. Um, and he just commanded authority in the middle of the park. You could argue that's something that, we, you know, we've rarely been needing. Because um, obviously that that hole that's been left by Idrissa Gay is, is huge to fill for a man that rivals only N'Golo Kante for like tackling and, and interception statistics. You know, it's very hard that you're actually going to find a like for like replacement. Um, obviously, that replacement looked to be Jabaman, but uh, you know the purpose of bringing Delph in is for being that utility player. A bit misfortunate, obviously, with the with the injury, but you know, come straight in and. It, Looks right at home. Connor, did Delph look a big upgrade on Morgan Snyderlin to you on Sunday? Massively, I think. He, he, he kind of blew people away um, with, his, with his performance. And it was interesting reading Michael Ball's column in, in the Echo, and, and he kind of homed in on, you know, he's, he's come with a million mentality. He, this is a man who knows what it takes to win football matches, he knows what it takes to get over the line in big occasions and, and he was sad to saying that in his opinion we haven't had enough of that over the years and, and we need to we need more of them players coming to the club who, who can help us go and if you look at you know the weekend I think you know it was, there was a, is it a spell in them it must be in the first half or maybe the second half where he, you can see him getting frustrated with Mosey Keane and, and kind of almost shouting at him as if to say you've got to hold the ball up you've got, you've got to do more got to work harder and, and, and I think you know you, you look at you know, that's a man who's only, who's only playing the second game and already sort of staking Staking what a leader he is on the pitch, and I think for eight million pounds it could be an absolute steal. I really do. I think if we can keep him fit, because obviously the big the big question is keeping him fit. It's abundantly clear that he's had his fitness issues over the last couple of years. I mean, he's not played as much for City as probably what he was wanted because of his his, his lack of being able to keep himself fit but if we can keep him fit then he could be you know, I know already people are saying he could be the sign of the summer etc that's probably a little bit too premature right now but for £8 million in today's market it could be an absolute steal and you know hope for me as well he, he kind of filled the voice of Adrissa Garnagay a little bit mm-hmm. you know the, the, it was kind of an interesting one with Adrissa Garnagay because he, he left the club and it was almost like everyone just shook hands and and went, and went, you know, got on with, got on, got yeah. on with, got on with the, the normal life. And for me, it was, it was always felt a little bit more than that because he was a massive, massive. I know people have their opinions on his distribution, etc. But for me, he was a massive, massive part of a lot of what we were good at in terms of that whole role. You know, midfield getting stuck in, breaking up the play. You know, covering the two centre backs. And, and for me, it's been no surprise that so far this season we've looked def- def- vulnerable defensively when he's not played. You know, you look back at. Palace on the opening day, Watford first home game, both of them carved out numerous opens. The weekend we were still defense, vulnerable defensively, but not as vulnerable as what we have been. And I think he's done a really good job of sort of shielding the the two centre backs and, and helping out when they were they were struggling. And you know, long way continue because we need more characters like Delph in and around the club. 
Totally agree. It was better by Gomez as well, wasn't it? Certainly second half, he seems to have the bit between his teeth again, didn't he? Because he had, a, a, by his high standards, a really poor game at Villa. Another one who <coughs> they picked up an injury, didn't he? And, you know, f- uh, in the first game of the season against Crystal Palace and in the first five minutes against Watford, there was a 50-50 there for him to win. And I thought, is he fit? Because he didn't go in it wholeheartedly. Um, going back onto the Fabian Delph um, signing, is it similar to a few years back when we brought in Gareth Barry again? Mm. Had that winning mentality. I know they're two completely different players in the way that they play that central midfield position. But that's what we were looking to do back then when we brought in Gareth Barry and bringing in Delph. Um, you know, they're, they're looking to bring that mentality in and get that mentality right through the starting 11, the, the, the bench that's on there, the full, the full squad that's, that's there throughout. And Delph, yeah, he won't be as um, the same player as what Adrissa Garner guy is. Guy, you think, if you look at his, it's his interceptions as well in front of that back four. It's his, his footballing brain, his reading of the game of mm. before that gets onto the back four, that's where I need to be to break it up. Mm. And that is a miss. And I know what you're saying there. With the, He sort of left the cup club quite quietly um, it may have been a bit different story if we'd let him go in January when yeah. PSG were trying to sign and we've obviously gone you know not won't be an issue in the summer give us until the end of the season let's see if we can push on see where we finish and you know all, all due respect to him that's what he's done and you know good luck to him definitely another player no doubt in the coming years will probably be uh, looked at by clubs like PSG's and Charleston because I think he's an absolute cracker and I'm, I'm glad he's back among among the goals and you could see as we mentioned earlier how much it meant to him scoring against Lincoln he got a bit of a he got a bit of criticised online for that didn't he a celebration against Lincoln but it shows how much it means to him and it was the same again on Sunday but I was just want to ask you lads his goals this, the header against Lincoln and the winner against Wolves looks to me like a classic centre forward you know running across the near post powerful header kind of goals Duncan Ferguson would love to score and did score it's still, you still wonder long term, is he more central when he's got that ability? Because you don't see Calvert Lewin scoring goals like that. And as impressive as Keane has been in patches, he doesn't look like that centre forward either. Uh, you said it before. That was the first thing you said before. Richarlison's goals, they were yeah. number nine esque. And yeah. that, that, you know, that's probably very true. Calvert Lewin, uh, not at the moment, it's not clicking for him for whatever reason. He's not amongst the goals. Uh, Moise Keane, he's 19, so he's very raw. Plus, Premier League's a whole new league to him, so he's got to have time to find his feet. He could be, um, you know, as we're heading forward and into the future. But when you looked at the signings that we brought in, when we brought in um, Iwobi, mm-hmm. I thought then, is Iwobi coming? as in Rich Allison could be the number nine and that. So I completely agree. The goals that he scored in there are number nine-esque. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously one thing that I think Evertonians have been have been critical of over certainly over the last couple of years, and you know I genuinely can't think of a time when we didn't we, when we played a different formation. But you know, a, a complaint that the four-two-three-one has become rather quite stale. Mm, yeah. But after that performance against Wolves, I've got to say I genuinely think that's one of the first times in a long time that I've seen. Those that you know that attack and trident interchanging, swapping positions like one minute you know you you, you blink and you'd see Richarlison swapping over with it, it will be on the wings and then I think it, it's something that's really been implemented by by Liverpool over yeah, the, yeah, the last couple of years. Three, yeah. You know the rotating forwards, um, and it, you know it seems to be in a, a brilliant recipe for success. It, it, it's great now to see the chemistry amongst the team that they are comfortable to do that in um, 
in rotating in the positions uh, and looking equally as likely to damage that. Last week, we spoke about Gilfie Sigurdsson at length, then because he he had a poor start to the season. Those first three games just weren't up to scratch, but he was much better on Sunday particularly. And I know you were talking about on the Royal Blue podcast, and I hadn't thought about this. Like There was a lot of complaints about that he just not passed to Calvert-Lewin enough, and he hadn't. He hadn't passed to most players enough, yeah, to be honest. He was a pretty honest. damn stat, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a pretty damn stat. He'd only passed him three times. But yeah. Does he just not click those two? Because... As Max said then, he was popping up in different positions, wasn't he? He had a lot of joy down the right, even without the goal he created for Awobi. Do you think it may be just it, we do need more mobility up there and that's what Keane and Awobi do give? Definitely. I think I think as well, you know, the issue with, with Calvert-Lewin is, and Sigurdsson is you almost feel like sometimes if they do pass to one another, they're passing in areas that's not effective. You know, there's no... It's not where the other one wants it. You, know, you, you look at the weekend and one of the things that, you know, on Sunday, sorry, one of the things that really... Please move the amount of times we we'll get the ball out wide fast and get crossed into the box. We scored two goals off it. You know, short, sharp passing out wide, whip a ball in. It, that's what you want. You know, you want that kind of. We haven't seen that with, with Everton with Calvert Loons played up top, but six and in behind it. It just, it just never really happens. And I, I think a little bit as well. It, it's hard for Sigurdsson. Um, don't get me wrong, I'd be one of his biggest critics, but it must be challenging as well as a number 10 to play with a forward who's not a natural goal scorer. Mm. Like like Calvert Lewin is, and I want to lose to Teddy. He seems to struggle in goal. I always think now, and I know we spoke about this last week, but we're almost heading to sort of like the brick wall moment with Calvert Lewin, where is he ever going to start scoring goals? Because there's only so long we can you can persist with. Once he gets one, once he's done, etc., etc. You know, football's a cold hearted business, and eventually someone will say, actually, no, he's not good enough. It's time to move on. And I think we're almost heading to that kind of situation now. And if you look, you know, you look at the weekend, you, you know, Mosey Keane's clearly ahead of him in the pecking order. Charleston probably is ahead of, ahead of him in the pecking order now as a number nine. And if you're being honest, if Mosey Keane wasn't available, you probably have more faith in Charleston going up top by himself than, than putting Calvert-Lewin in. And for me, it just all of a sudden seems like it's not falling apart, but it's almost coming to an end for Calvert-Lewin at Everton. I don't really see where he goes from here. And I hope I'm proved wrong because, you, like we say, you can't knock his work right and hunger and you're kind of at a point now where you just cut your losses and admit that it's not going to work out. And because and ultimately, if we want to bridge the top six and we, we want to get there, we want we want to make strides. You've got to be ruthless. We've got to be ruthless along the way. We can't carry passengers no more. We we can't you know be Mister Nice Guy and put our arm around people when 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 we think they need it. We've got to be ruthless. And we've got to start making ruthless decisions. And I think ultimately Calvert Loom could be the biggest kind of victim of a new ruthless sort of streak from Everton Football Club in the, in the coming months. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What have you lads made of Moshe Keane? I know he came in for unwanted and unwarranted criticism from Graham Souness uh, before the match was, you know, gone on a lot of headlines. I think there were parts of his game he's, he's obviously got to improve. But, you know, the big thing for me is, you talk about Sigerson there, Connor, he, he accepts the ball on the edge of the area and he's sharp, isn't he? He can turn. And I can't remember the last time Calvert-Lewin's got the ball at the edge of the area. Mm. Turned his man and had the shot. No, and, and Keane's got that in him, you can tell, as well as his work down the flanks. Yeah, one of the huge differentials, I think, between Keane and Calvert-Lewin is Keane has that ability to manufacture his own chances, similar to that of a, of a young Lukaku when Lukaku first came yeah. to Everton. Um and on his performances, I keep saying each week, but it, it seems like it's coming, doesn't it? The goal, it, it seems like he's getting closer and closer each time. Obviously, he was denied the 1v1 with the keeper due to you know a fantastic recovery tackle by, by Ryan Bennett. 
But uh, yeah, his ability 1v1, he obviously hit the post against Lincoln too, with quick feet, um, breaking away from his man. But yeah, he, he certainly now, he still does look ahead of Calvert-Lewin in the um, on, in the pecking order, but still, I think it does need to be reinforced heavily because I, I do know that the pressure that can, can that can be put on the shoulders of Everton strikers sometimes yeah, that he massive. is only 19 years old, yeah. um, and he's just been included obviously for the under 21s Italy squad too. So you know it's it, you know he's by no means the finished article starting up front for for Italy just yet, and you know we've got him on a permanent deal and a very good deal, may I add, and we've got the time to work with him. Um, so just you know, let let him break his ground in the Premier League this season, and if that that result against Wolves was proof of anything, is that you know as I was saying, the core of that squad. It's, it's very evident now that a signature of this Everton side is the supply from wide areas, and it seems like now we finally hit the nail on the head with you know the supply you're saying there, kind of the the you know the relationship between Sigurdsson and Calvert Lewin. Just isn't on the same wavelength, and the chemistry just isn't quite there. However, you look at the, you know, you look at the, you know, the build-up play and the transitions and the goals against Wolves, like the the awareness of Richarlison to play it over his head to Sigurdsson to cross it into to Iwobi, like just little indicators like that of, of the players being on the same wavelength and the supply being there. It, you know, it, it all bodes well, and and something that I found was absolutely huge for that game was the fact that we could go to the bench and we could bring on Bernard. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he the, helped change the game. Yeah, the, the drop. When we were, sh- we were, we were Definitely shaking. Definitely, and, and the, the, the drop, like, a huge complaint also was that the, the drop-off in quality when we were going to the bench, it was just too significant to try and turn games round. But the option there, I just think that can be huge going into the future. Do you think, lads, that what Max has said there, that's our front four for the time being. Keen up front with Charleston, Awobi and Siggers and however harsh that is on Bernard, who's, who didn't play well at Villa, but before that he was one of our best players this season. He had an excellent second half to last season. Yeah, I would say yes. And the thing that, you, that you're talking about there, what is a big massive difference is what Keane's brought in is his mobility. His movement. Um, Calvert-Lewin hasn't got that. So, like you're saying, where Sigurdsson's not passing to him, it's because Calvert-Lewin is not mobile. He's not getting into the positions. Keane, as well as getting into the positions, he's strong on the ball for 19. The physique that the young lad has got on him uh, is immense. Lukaku, was Lukaku not 19 when mm-hmm. he, he when he came to us? So, um, you, you know, you're sort of looking at the same way. Obviously, you don't want to put two players in the same bracket and that but <clears throat> that's what you've got um, with Carver-Loon he's not got that mobility issue so you look back at the the Aston Villa game you look back at the Watford game um, you look back at um, the Crystal Palace game where we didn't score the goals and Carver-Loon was up there Moise Keane comes in scores seven goals in two games so that's obviously then clicking with your front other uh, as a front four with your Sigurdsons, your Richarlison's, Bernard, when he comes on, Awobi, it, it, it's obviously making a massive difference to us and seven goals in two games proves it to me. Awobi, you know, like we were saying on the podcast last week, he'd done enough against Villa to want him to start in one or both of the games. And you think about it, he hit the post against Villa, he's probably our best player on the night, scored against Lincoln. Off the top of my head, he, he had a shot that just went wide and another shot that was saved. And then on Saturday, or Sunday, I should say, again, he's scoring. Like, is that like an added bonus? Because you, you heard about a Wobi out, you looked at his underlying statistics, and he was a better player than some people give him credit for. And the fact that he played a lot of games for Arsenal, but he, he wasn't playing in the right position. But 
I've been really, really pleasantly surplised by just how good a player it is. Have you, are you the same, Connor? Yeah, I've, I've not been surprised. I've been totally taken back by, <laughs> by, by what he's offered, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think I was the only Evertonian sat there kind of raising eyebrows when the news sort of filtered out that we made the initial bid and then we went back in on you know, pretty much at the desk to get the deal over the line. Um, it, it seems all a bit strange at the time, but... Now we're looking at it, you can quite clearly see why we were so desperate to get it done because he just seems to give us a new lease of life. He's injected pace, he's injected power. He he, he looks like, you know, I think you know, the Aston Villa game when we lose last week, we looked stale. We looked, you know, we looked at the team, you know, sort of... Void of ideas. Void of ideas In and zone lack of well, inspiration and stuff like that. You know, the arrival of a Wobi, we, we've sort of found this newfound energy We've got pace, we've got power in the team now and, and he's at the, the forefront of that and he's took his goals really well so far and it, it really does bode well. And the thing for me is he, he gets himself in areas to, to, to actually do real damage and I'm actually really looking forward to watching him play over, you know, over the coming weeks because I think he's going to get better and better. I think if he gets a potential a run of run of games, which he will do because you can't see no reason at the minute why he's not going to get a start, be, be in the starting 11, he could really kick on and you know, I, I, I'm excited by what we can hopefully see from him. And he certainly gives us a new lease of life, and he's he certainly made an instant impact. I I, I thought the King completely out of left field. The, you know, uh, at the time we're up in our bids for Zahar, we're not including as many players as what we were going ahead with. McCarthy was going there, and he wasn't even part of the deal. And then, as you say, the next minute, you know, two days before transfer deadline day, we've put this bid in for a Wobi. I, I spoke with an Arsenal fan um, just after he signed, and they were absolutely made up to be rid of him. And I was quite shocked and quite yeah. surprised, not just from what I read, but also from, from what I watched of him as a player. Can't finish, doesn't score enough goals. As you just said, Paul, Arsenal possibly weren't playing him in the right position and everything. Um, you know, he's still young. Um, it was a surprise. A move really to come to Everton from Arsenal, in my opinion. But he seems hungry and he seems like he wants to wear the jersey. He wants to prove his critics possibly wrong if if that's the way that he's come away from Arsenal and that's the way he's felt he's coming away from Arsenal. And from, you know, the, the short start that we've seen from so far, bring it on. I'd watch him week in, week out. Definitely, and the thing is, it's what you were saying a minute ago, Max. He, he's not a winger per se, is he? He's not like gets the byline, whip it in. He likes to cut inside, but it just does look like it offers us more flexibility now, particularly when you've got someone like Luca Dean on the overlap, who had probably for the first time I can remember for a long time, a really tough first half against Sayori, yeah. but he got better in the second half and, and what a cross again for the goal. But yeah, I don't know about you. I fell into the trap. I was on holiday at the time and I fell into the trap of dreaming about getting Zahar just because he's big money, you know, 60, 70 million. What a statement that be. And I do like Zahar and I, he's probably got more of a proven track record than a Wobi. But again, like if, if to believe what Silver was saying, he was always the number one target. You may, may have to take that pinch of salt. I don't know. But the way Brands operates, why not? Why not? But at 23, what was he? 35 million. It's very early days, but it's looking more shrewd business by uh, Silver and Brands. Yeah, uh, of course it is. He, you know, he was supposedly scouted for a number of months, but just to reinforce the point of the lads, I think it was the context of the last few days of that transfer window that when we actually got a Wobi, 
it just kind of took us back a little bit. Obviously, there was the, the ongoing bidding for, for Zaha. Obviously, McCarthy went off the door and we were a bit shocked that that had, you know, no inclusion with the deal for Zaha. Uh, and we were almost as if we were just, you know, kind of just accepted that we were left with a Wobie. The two, two failed bids for Rock Home Small as well. Of course. <laughs> and, you know, Not the, the, end core, of the, world, the core A2 at Watford, no. the, you know, the 30 million bids that have been declined and... I just I started getting the initial fear that it was like the early days of when the when Mercedes money is just coming and we you know we're going thirty million here thirty million there and you know the the proofs in the pudding of that look look at look at what's current, currently ongoing with Yannick Balassi mm-hmm. um, and you know I hold my hands up wholeheartedly I I fell into that tra- I fell into the trap of assuming that the Awobi transfer may well turn out that way where you know we've given them a five-year deal although time is on his side I was ever so slightly concerned that we may end up in a situation where we're winding down his contract um the the huge main criticism of, of him obviously is the fact that I don't think he's ever managed more than six goals in a season and when you look at the players that who he's you know meant to be competing with Bernard uh, Richarlison on the other side and even Silva you know wants to utilize him in the middle the, the, the argument there is that you know, particularly for Bernard, is that he doesn't score enough goals no, himself. No. So why are you bringing in a player that you know, you know, when you, when you look at it from that, you know, the hard money ball statistics just isn't turning in enough attacking output. But uh, but yeah, what's that now? To, you know, two headed goals. I think he'll get away there, isn't he? Exactly. You know, <laughs> he's off to an absolutely great start, and I really do hope he continues to prove, you know, particularly me wrong. So going well on the attacking fronts, defending four goals conceded in the last two or six in the last three, but probably a person who can't take much of the blame, Jordan Pickford. I just wanted to ask you about him because I remember guesting on a podcast back in the last season after the Newcastle fiasco where he lost his head, didn't he? Uh, I thought he's been exemplary since then. And I thought on Sunday he was absolutely superb. He made one big save that he had to. His handling, his distribution. I think maybe, I'm hoping that could be a turning point what happened at Newcastle that day. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think he's been absolutely superb so far this season. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I think from the off, from against Crystal Palace, I think what he faced, you know, two... 1v1s, one from Max Meyer and the one from Jordan Ayew, I think it was, you know, real high goal-scoring opportunities and he dealt with them very, very confidently and I think in the game since, he's just proved how indispensable he is to, like I say again, the core of that side. I was really complimentary of the the defensive performance overall up until uh, Jimenez's equaliser because obviously, you know, we, we'd been defending those the, the long throws into the box from Bennett pretty well. Um, I think it was Dean who just let him go. Uh, but Keane and Mina very very solid. Um, following the question marks that were left over the fact that we you know didn't get Zuma in or a centre half reinforcement. Um, so even though we had the assumptions that we'd be you know on thin ice there, very very solid. Um, and long may that continue. And Jordan Pickford, I, I, I say this most time, he just doesn't half remind me of a, of Oliver Kahn. Mm-hmm. When Oliver Kahn was at Bayern Munich, that just kind of, that personality that just commands authority, you know, um, is without shadow of a doubt England's best goalkeeper. I was on that Newcastle one after yeah. the Newcastle one with you, um, and we spoke about it. He had a couple of things last season, didn't he? Not just the Newcastle game, obviously the incident out in Sunderland as well. Um, hopefully now he's got better advisors around him. Um, from what I've seen from the start of the season. Jordan Pitford's back to his best. England's number one, without a shadow of doubt. Looks absolutely solid, looks confident in everything he's doing. His distribution doesn't half help builders on attacks and everything and is is a real weapon that we need to utilise and, and push on a little bit with 
bit more pressing forward quickly. So Jordan Pitford, yeah, not a fault and and good to see him back with his head right on it, right attitude and playing for the club in the manner that we want him to. Definitely. So Jordan Pickford back in form. Everton's sixth in the table. Me and you, Connor, this time last week were ready to go to the pub and drown our sorrows. <laughs> but are we all set for the Champions League campaign now after these last couple of wins? We're all serious. No, 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 it's too early days for that. But we mentioned it earlier. Like the weekend was quite telling, wasn't it? You know, those big teams are dropping points. Wolves are doing what most teams you get into the Europa League do earlier days in the season. But now we seem to, that was more like Everton. Are you confident this season we could improve on? Eighth and seventh, and maybe push to those top six places. Yeah, but I think we've got to keep keep personnel fit for pretty much most of the season. I know what the lads today about the squad depth and stuff, but you still think if we lose one or two players, you know, if we lose one of the centre backs, for instance, you would be concerned. And would you know, if we, touch wood, it doesn't happen. But you know, if we were to lose, you know, a Michael Keane or you know Yeni Mina for a month or so into this in the season, you would be concerned then because there's not much there. You hang your hat on to come in and think, oh, well, we'll be able to, you know, we'll, we'll get on okay. So I think we can as long as we keep keep personnel fit and we get a bit, and we get a bit of luck as well because you need a little bit of luck. You look back at, you know, most teams when they bridge them gaps or they do stuff, they, you get a bit of luck along the way. I mean, you, you look back, you know, the, the year we come fourth under David Moyers, how many like goals did we score, you know, that season? And, you know, you see some of them and, you know, I think there's one where. Leon Osmond scored his post with him as we game and the ball actually comes to him because it hits someone on the back. <laughs> you know, you, you need them little bounces of the balls. Okay, well, you know, sometimes we, well, what we always think we don't get, but no, we, we need. But there is no better chance. I really don't think there's a better chance. And you look at you know Manchester United and Chelsea. They're, they're not convincing. They, they show flashes, but they're not convincing. You, you then the. The fear factor's been maybe not there like it used to be with them. You know, it used to be the, it was a closed door, wasn't it? Effectively, you know, now I don't think it is as much, and we, we do have a good chance. But I think there'll be other clubs thinking that they've got a good chance. You know, Leicester, for instance, have had an impressive start to the season. They'll be potentially looking at it, you know, similar to we will. I think we've got a chance here, bridging the top six. So it's going to be hard, it's going to be competitive, and I don't think we'll be the only ones with the belief that we can bridge the gap. I think, uh, as you say, yeah, we're only four games in. Um, after the next two games against Bournemouth, Sheffield United, the next two coming up. If we can get another six points out of that, be another interesting podcast, see where we're building from there. Also looking at the other results. Um, the, the the top two, obviously, you've got City and Liverpool. Then after that, to be honest, I, I don't see much of a fear factor ourselves. Um, I don't think that, uh, as you say, Connor, Chelsea and United... Have got that fear factor, you know. Chelsea just got points against Sheffield United at the Bridge, United, you know, Old Trafford against Southampton. Um, they're there to get at, they're there to be got at. But you've got to get your points in the bag first to while they're dropping those points. Make sure you're doing that. Leicester have done that so far. They're on, uh, is it nine points already? So they've got those points in the bag. Uh, I think us and them and you know Wolves if they can manage that European campaign we know how difficult it is Thursday Sundays and that um, West Ham can be a mixed bag but you never know mm. they're up there Arsenal terribly defensively but fantastic going forward with their forward line that they've got and they'll look at outscoring you know the majority of teams from sixth place and below to pick up their points dream big with Everton why not let's you know let's go for it and fingers crossed when we're done on these podcasts it's all positive and we're yeah. you know getting further and further on in the season going yeah 6th yeah 5th 
fourth could be here, you know what I mean? That's what I'm looking for anyway. Max, give you the final words. I don't want to be over-optimistic because this is Everton after all. <laughs> yeah. all it's a roller coaster. <laughs> like, I, I, one, of the, one of the main, you know, the medium to long-term objective for Everton, I do feel is sh- it, it should be establishing ourselves as that seventh best team in the land. Mm. You know, making that our own uh, and nailing it down without a shadow of a doubt. So you can't go without mentioning Everton when discussing that top six because there certainly are wounded animals to capitalise on. Um you know, fingers crossed, similar to the back end of last season, we can manage to take points off them and those prove to be vital. But on what we haven't mentioned, and I don't know, I, I just, I've got to bring it up. I'm 21 years old now. I've still not seen us win a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that win against Lincoln, it, it did demonstrate great character, uh, you know, and could be instrumental in a, in a decent cup run. Again, of course, we've 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 never won the league cup, and you know it's just drilled into me mentality now that I just think that we never will. <laughs> but again, the FA Cup, you know, the, the the opportunities are there, and as I was saying, this this squad that Marco Silva has together now it demonstrates a real David Moyes type spirit. You know, it doesn't seem like since Moyes, or you know, obviously we had that you know that joyous first year under Martinez, but there didn't seem to be a grit or a core or a de- determination. But there seems to be character just coming out of this side, and we we'd look there to us, you know, that team against Wolves. I, I would argue is our best starting eleven, um, and we know that coming going forward and 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 you know further down the line with this season, and you know, who's to who's to say we can't aim for for six as long as the likes of United and Chelsea continue to drop points, but uh, yeah, for me, establish ourselves as the seventh best team in the country, and try and you know. Get a bit of silverware in there. I have a little jump in on that. I know you said Max will have the last word, but I just wanted to, um, as you said, with that squad, you think of the David Moyes, so that does build your optimism and effort. And being 21, yeah, you haven't. Paul and I, the only only success we've seen was the FA Cup when we had the Dogs of War and we went out and won it. But from speaking with my dad, my granddad, I'm pretty sure Paul backed me up on the same. Don't know about yourself on that, Connor. But um, Everton should be a lot higher than what they are, mm. and seven to me doesn't represent a successful season. No, 100%. And, I agree. and as you say, I feel the same. We're never going to win the League Cup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we might have the odd FA Cup runs, but somebody always does us in a blunt semi final disc that makes a stupid pass. We go out to Chelsea, whatever. We always get hit in some way, so you, you, you'd always feel that way. Um, We've got to hopefully, you know, reading the stuff today and that and stuff where the club have thanked the city for the amount of support that they've had over the new stadium. We're looking and going into things like that with Mashiri's money. Um, yeah, we didn't get Zahar. We thought we were going to get him because that's the way Mashiri operates. You know, we've got to have that big superstar signing in there and that, and we haven't done it necessarily this season. But our optimism and, you know, points were a little bit better off than we were last season builds that optimism. So, I wouldn't say, I would say, you're good enough. You've Pickford, England's number one international in there, Fabian Delph, Keane. Fabian Delph has won trophies. Richarlison's just come back from winning the Copper America. You, you, you get winners in that team, so. I'm down, down to them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. definitely. And I'd take seventh in the uh, Carabao Cup. 
straight away. I'd take 17th in the Carabao Cup, to be honest. Just some silverware. As long as you finish 17th by a good, like. Yeah, not the last day again. Not the last day, not the last day. 15 points. Yeah, I agree, mate. Hopefully, people listening at home, that was more of an uplifting listening than last week, but it proves again that a week is a long time when you're an Everton Football Club supporter. Max, Anthony, and Connor, thanks very much for joining us, lads. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.